Anything Combat with Johnny K. Well, it's Anything Combat, though. Welcome back, companions, to the Anything Combat show, wherein we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K, and today we're joined by flyweight prospect who's taking on Bardasarian Doriev. The person I'm interviewing today who's fighting him, July uh, 20th, is Shamel Finley. How are you? Great, man. It's, uh, it's great to be here, and I'm just getting ready for the fight and excited. I totally forgot about Bardasarian's name. I was like trying to figure it out in my head. But anyways, what does he do well? What did you think about him and how are you going to beat him? I looked at he's great at staying composed and like sticking to a game plan. Um, I think that he, you know, yeah, he just, he, he knows what he wants to do out there. And so far he's been uh, great at controlling his fights having them be where he wants them to be at the pace that he wants them to be at. So, yeah, that's what I think about him. I think uh, he he's, he gets decisions because he doesn't make many mistakes out there. And um, so it's it's exciting to kind of like, you know, and he's undefeated. It's, uh, he's not the first undefeated fighter I've fought uh, for a title. And so it's always exciting to um, go into that unknown territory because you, 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 uh, you can watch the tape and you can feel like you can beat a guy. Um, and, and then there are some guys when you watch the tape in the film, you see them get beaten. So you kind of know a path to victory. Whereas like it's always something interesting to just go out there and freestyle with, like, with a guy that's um, undefeated and just see how you can find the chink and bums. What's been happening in your life recently, and how's training at AT&T going? Oh, man, it's great. Uh, I came out here, like, two times before. Um, I think I, I came, like, a week at a time once, and then, like, three weeks another time, maybe two. But, yeah, so those two times I came, and I saw the work that was going on here, and um, I fell in love with it, you know. I, and it's like... You know, you can't, sometimes you just cannot be introduced to certain things and then, and then, like, go back to acting and know about it. So, you know, I, I, the last time I came, I said, you know what, next time I come, I'm just staying. So, um, I went back home after the last time I visited. I packed up in my apartment, put it in storage and, uh, what I needed and they, you know, the clothes and the things I needed for, you know, my hygiene and, and, you know, little shit like that. I just, packed up and put in the car and came out here, you know, with a, with a, with a dollar and a drink. So, yeah. Good man. Good man. Uh, what did you think about the most recent UFC card? Um, I thought it was great. I thought it was, well, I thought it had great moments. Um, it's crazy because it's like the first fight of the night. I can't remember either of the guys names. Because I wasn't there when they were getting introduced. I just came in to them fighting. The first fight on the early prelims, I'm not sure how many people got to see it, but that fight was amazing. And so um, I might have jinxed it a little bit because when I saw that fight, I said, oh, man, this house a night is kicking off. Like, it's crazy tonight. And, um, you know, there were some fights in the middle that were a little lackluster. But then there were, like, amazing fights. We had flyweight flyweights don't got no power we had one flyweight go out there in a couple of seconds throw one punch and flatline a guy and that's like the that's the kind of fight you like dream about you like and i don't and i don't and i mean that i don't mean that figuratively i mean like 
you literally dream that like, oh, I'm just gonna sock this guy one time. No, he's laid out and the whole crowd's cheering and I'm jumping the cage. Like, you know, like he really did that. So yeah, there were a lot of great moments. Um, you know, tear, man, I can't believe Whitaker lost. Um and then, you know, my teammate, Jim Mate, Pantoja got it done like I knew he would and so it was just, you know, it was a great hype. So what did you think about Pantoja's performance that night? Did you think that he looked uh, like, did you think he looked better than usual? Because I thought that Brandon Moreno might have won that split decision. At the time watching, if I rewatch it back, maybe Pantoja won. Nothing to take away from his performance because his performance was great. But how did you feel about watching your teammate win? Um, No, I was very confident by the end of the fight that he won it. Um, and I knew though, um, that it was going to be tougher than the first two though, for sure. One, it's, it's just really hard to beat somebody, uh, in a regular, in just a rematch, you know, like it's, it's, it's hard to beat somebody in a rematch. So imagine how hard it is to beat somebody three times, you know, um, Anyway, I knew it was going to be way harder. Brad Moreno was a dog. I knew he got so much better technically, and then he found a, a part of himself that just he he won't quit on himself out there, and I and I knew that. But, you know, I'm here live in the flesh in person with Pantoja. Uh, you, that's how his style came down to throwing all in and, and all technique out the and you just and it just become fight just a scrap. I that to walk through um a lot of those strikes and just get hold of you know I I I, I felt that that down and even that he would get a submission and you know he got close or in certain in position in time but you know um hats off to Moreno you know getting out of that den I can hit a exciting fight. So, Shamel, you just said that Tapology is better than Sherdog. I thought that Sherdog was like the MVP. So, so can you run us through that? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's just in my experience, in my opinion. I mean, um, Tapology is very, um, what's the word? They're just in, like... Inconsistent? No, Tapology is consistent. Sherdog, in my uh experience has been inconsistent or you know they're like late or a fight behind or you know like but topology is <clears throat> they're on point they're they're doing it like same time uh especially like with the bigger promotions they're doing it this as the result is uh happening live it's on topology um some of the regional ones you might have to wait like a day or two maybe a week but they're never like share dog I've, I've seen share dog be off Say like months at a time, sometimes years. So with your teammate Pantoja, last night I watched Figueredo versus Pantoja just to see what that fight was like. Now, Figueredo won every single round of that fight. But in the third round, Pantoja looked like he was coming back into it and rocking Figueredo. So if that fight went to a fourth or fifth round, there was no doubt that Pantoja could have finished him. Now, if Figueredo gets into a championship opportunity with Pantoja and has a rematch. How do you see that fight going a second time? Um, yeah, pretty much, pretty much 
it being a war of um, attrition, like I, I, I think they're all, they're both talented. Figueredo, he's got a lot of power, and 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 people talk about his power a lot, and they kind of shy away from like he is a complete mixed martial artist. He showed he can, he's he's competent in in grappling uh, situations. He can get up, he can escape, but um, uh, Moreno though has submitted him, and I know people don't do like MMA math is not real. It doesn't, but if we're going like skill for skill, um. When I look at certain positions and I look at certain skills and whose skill set is better in a certain area, um, I think that Pantoja has proven that his grappling is uh, edges edges out Moreno's a bit. And so if Moreno was able to take uh, Figueroa down multiple times and take his back and choke him out, uh, I think, yeah, that would be a big adjustment by, uh, by Pantoja the second time around, especially with the extra time and 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 you know showing that he has like better cardio or had you know in that previous fight i think yeah you take him to the later rounds and you drown him so yeah i just want to talk about that so about the submission of figueredo so i think that was more down to like a bad weight cut in the second fight and also just like weird circumstances where he dropped him beforehand i don't believe it's very easy to take figueredo down at all and seeing that when i rewatched the fight i found it i found it hard to believe that pantoja now could take him down right because we saw that he struggled with moreno's scrambling ability yes he took the back but but I see that I see that fight. It's a very interesting stylistic matchup. Figueredo, he's got um, he doesn't really have that defense when he's coming in striking wise. And I do think Pantoja's probably got a better chin, heart, cardio, and drive than Figueredo. But yeah, how do you feel about that? Because I know that that's a contentious point about the grappling between the two. I just personally don't see Pantoja getting Figueredo down unless he drops him on the feet. I mean, like you like you said, styles make fights, and uh, you can't really judge. If, if Pantoja has, has beat Moreno twice, you know, there's something that comes along with that where, you know, we're all human. No matter how much you want to say, like, and we do, we're martial artists, and we respect everybody we go out there with, but if you beat a guy twice, one time really badly, or finished him, or sent him out of the UFC, all that, like, there is a lack of um, what type of danger you might be out there. So, you know, you watched a version of Pantoja just walking another grown man down, like, without, without, um, you know, throwing caution to the wind, you know, taking certain shots that he, nece- he might not have needed to take or, you know, so that you got to factor that in, you know, when, when he's fighting um, a guy that's, beat him before you're more alert you know you're more cautious and you're more conscious of like your decision making you know your iq is high you're you're um you're reactive you know your twitch muscles are high because you're you're locked in there and you're on you're locked in on a guy who's beat you before so that's why i said earlier it's hard to beat somebody twice and so yeah i think that makes all the difference in like just how he approaches uh the grappling situations Figueredo was supposed to take Manel Cap on, 
that fight got cancelled. Pantoja actually beat Manel Cap. Manel Cap was uh, the Ryzen champion, as we know, at Flyweight. What do you think about Ryzen as a promotion, and do you see yourself fighting there soon? Um, I've actually never... Um, I don't know anything about Ryzen for real. Um, I've seen it. The only reason I've ever like watched any fights from them really is because I almost had an opponent who used to uh, fight over there. But yeah, that's... I. I you know, I've been a pro for maybe a little over a year now. A lot of things I'm doing, everything's happening really fast. You know, it's like, so um, I've had a lot of firsts and a lot of neat things just going on, you know, very quickly. So there are some things that, you you know, you might ask me and you, you'd be surprised to know. Like, I don't know about that yet. Like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not. That's okay. That's okay. You had a draw with Adrian Garcia. I want to ask you what you think about that fight, and were you annoyed at the draw? Um, yeah, for sure. But anyone more than myself, I just think like um, uh, that I can beat him and beat him decisively. You know, I feel I can finish that guy. I still do, and um, I didn't show up as the best version of myself that night, and that's that's ultimately why it was even left to be able to get go to a draw but you know if I'm talking about if you're talking about was I annoyed with maybe like how the point was taken yeah like that was it was dumb but it is what it is I should have finished up so I think you're Jamaican so I want to ask you what does bumba club mean it is it is like it's like a filler it's like a filler like um it is not a good word, but that's filler. It's like plenty of um, it's like curse words you use in in our just your everyday life. Just uh, but it's it, but it can it encompasses a lot of them. Like depending on what you're saying, how you're saying it, the your tone can can uh, tell whether it's in a joking way, a surprised way, a, a, a angry way. But like. Yeah, it's just a it's a curse word. Who has given you the hardest fight of your career? Well, I guess the one I lost, like all of my career, <laughs> of my pro career, or just period. You can say whatever. You don't work. Yeah, I I guess it would still be though. It, it would be my um, man. I think one of my amateur fights was really hard, but kid, I uh, I can't go back that far right now. Anyway, yeah, the the one that I the one that I lost, yeah, it was hard. I got very tired. I, I I just blew myself out mentally in a fight that I was very capable of winning. Uh, when when I looked back at it, I was I it was so much closer than I thought it was, and I kind of just like took my foot off the gas and just started throwing whatever, like spinning stuff, jumping stuff. Like, okay, well if I'm down, I'm just gonna entertain the crowd now. You know, I didn't stay focused and in the moment. I didn't. I wasn't. Um, Mentally, I wasn't at the place where I am now, where I know like you're always in a fight until the until the last uh, you know bell rings, you know, because it only takes one second to finish a fight. So that's where I am now, and that's why I don't really freak out. You're surrounded by UFC fighters. How long until you make it to the UFC? Like, what's your career trajectory looking like right now? Um. Well, when I thought about it, when I was manifesting, I thought I'd you know get a get 10 fights before before going i'm at eight right now but i'm not gonna lie to you i think this next one might be the last one i think i get the call up after this 
Um, and I'd even make a case for being called up without going to the contingency just because I've, you know, especially after this one, I feel I, I'd be able to um, confidently say that I've fought three or four guys on that contender series level. Like I said, I've already fought an un undefeated prospect before um, for a title. I went five rounds. Um, I I won all five. Uh, I've, Adrian Garcia, he might not have the... Um, if you look him up, just like a lot of those goat shed guys, they have these great records, but they're fighting cans. So he might not have the... Um, experience as far as it goes as like stiff competition but he was seven and one when I fought him I was only I think four and one at the time and then I fought the FFC former flyweight champion and he competed on the contender series already and now I'm fighting this seven and oh guy undefeated I believe he's a Mongolian um so he's got a lot of experience and a lot of uh graphics behind him and um yeah i think i've i think i'll make a good uh case for myself that i've fought contender series level fights so trying to skip all that and get into the show what do you think about the contender series if they do give you the call and that option would you take it yeah of course of course i think the contender series is doing something great to the uh to the roster man i think the guys coming from there like, just stepping in the door that way of, like, you know, the whole, like, beat Joe Pfeiffer energy. People are going on that show looking for finishes and fighting their heart out. Like, what better way to kind of, like, introduce yourself to that UFC level? How did you get the nickname Badman? How would I get it? It's, uh, so, it's it's not, so a lot of, um, Americans, yeah, really, they keep calling me. Yeah, they keep calling me, like, the bad man or Mr. Badman or guys who, like, they're using these different variations of it, which I'm cool with, like, put your little flair on it or however, whatever excites you. But um, it's really, it's, it's, it's Badman. It's pronounced Badman. It's more so, like, a Badman in Jamaica is, like, it's really what it sounds like. It's, like, you're um, the same way you would interpret it yeah, without the broken English. It's, like... Uh, somebody that's hard, somebody that's tough, gangster, uh, in the most, like, positive ways that you can think about it. You're not taking nothing from nobody. You won't get pushed over. You're sure about yourself, like, and, you know, uh, people just know not to mess, so. Where are you from in Jamaica? Um, so I'm, a, I'm American born. I was actually born, uh, Los Angeles. My mom my dad were born in Jamaica. I'm like first generation American. Jamaican. Where's your Where's your mother and father from then? They're both from Kingston, and I can get more specific than that. Except I'm drawing a blank right now. But yeah, they're both from Kingston. Who's your favorite fighter? That's hard. I literally got asked it the other day, and it's the same as like I cannot answer this. Like I can't answer what's my favorite song ever forever and ever oh i love fighting so much and there's so many different styles like if you're really a fan of anything to this degree i feel like you can't have just one who's an upcomer at att that people need to look out for 
Me. You can't sell yourself. You can't sell <laughs> There are so many people in this gym. Like, you do not get around off. And when you go and uh, look them up later out of professional curiosity, they are somebody, like, wherever they're coming from, there's somebody too. So, like, there are just so many up-and-comers in this gym. But I will shout out my boy, um, Monty Agbana. He's on the card coming up with me. He's actually popping off the card um, for this next card, CFFC 122, July 20th. Yeah, it'll be on there. And, uh, yeah, he, he did not play. Something some, some is in his hands, like some sleeper dust or something. So, yeah, y'all be on the lookout, my boy, Matt. So I want to ask you about Jamaican MMA. Is this the best um, time for Jamaican MMA in history? Because, dude, we've got, we've got Aljamain Sterling represent, uh, representing America and Jamaica, and you've got Leon Edwards representing Jamaica and England. It is, it is such an interesting time to be in the sport. If there's eight belts, eight weight classes in the UFC and, and two are dominated by Jamaicans, that is that is 25% of belts held by Jamaica. That's pretty impressive. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah I, I love it. Um, I look at those guys and I'm just like, oh, I can't wait to get into the mix, get into that conversation. Yeah, I mean, is it? do I think it's the best that – Jamaica's ever been doing in MMA, yeah, but I think it's about to get so much better just because of um of of the two that you named and just all the people coming up and just I think that's just uh human nature though. Human history will show you like this any time that we can get through or get past that uh certain level of just knowing something is possible, just getting past that certain level of self doubt or. I've never had an example of it. Um, like once you can get past that, things that were once thought to be extraordinary become the the norm. So, yeah, I'm excited to see like what uh what new athletes come out of Jamaica. What do you think about uh, Rude Boy Randy Brown? I man, yeah, I love uh, I love his style. I love his style. Actually, funny thing is, um, he was probably like the first. Uh, Jamaican MMA fighter that I like tapped in with because his uh, I can't remember which on which side but long story short our families are um like married in to each other like somebody really? is yeah one of his like maybe it's his aunt and like one of my cousins or something like that like are married so when I started fighting somebody told me like hey you know you'd have a cousin that fights i'm like no way like then die and then they um they don't they didn't know anything really about like the ufc and stuff so they're like yeah i think he fights for the uh like like they were like fidgeting on the words they're like ufc i said ufc like like who is this you talking about or whatever so then long story <laughs> short yeah they pulled him up and it was it was uh uh randy so yeah, I tapped in with him like a long time ago. I just I just hit him up on Instagram and uh, showed him some of my fights, and he was very just like from the beginning. He was just very like cool, like oh yeah, man, I see you doing your thing. Da da da. Just gave me some acknowledgement and encouragement. Yeah, so every time he has a fight coming up, you know, I cheer him on, and whenever I have something coming up, I I might like send it to him and. You know, stuff like that. 
Yeah, that is that is an absolute crazy story, Shamel. So I want to bring up Aljo. He's a little bit he's a little bit hated by the fans because he's you know he's not the most clickbaity or you know he's not he's not there for anyone. He's there for himself. Now, do you think that people will recognize him when he round one rear naked chokes Sean O'Malley in a month's time? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, man. They will. They. I think he's already done enough to be recognized. But, um, you know, people. It's so funny because people don't understand what they're watching. Like mixed martial artists. Notice none of the mixed martial artists are saying like um Aljermaine Sterling sucks or he's boring or that the mixed martial artists aren't saying that. Those are the the fans who don't understand what they're watching or they don't they've never felt what he's doing, what he's putting his body through to maintain these positions and squeeze for so long and, and switch these body triangles over so we know what we're looking at we know how strong he must be because the people he's been able to hold down backpack da 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 these are other high level professional athletes that are scrambling out these guys are not getting held down like that in their gym and they and and you have to know that when the fight is coming up they're specifically training every day not to be held down that way and then he does it anyway so it's like you gotta give respect where it's due. I really thought that he would have it after um, the Cejudo fight. I don't know how the narrative changed, but Cejudo is the real deal. Like the real deal. It doesn't matter how long he took off or oh, like Cejudo is the real deal. And I think that's another thing people don't know what it feels like. Once you are an Olympic level athlete, it's not even about what your body can do. Those those people's minds are different. They, there's nothing they cannot will themselves into. No amount of work. They, nothing is too uncomfortable for that level of athlete. And then he was a gold medalist. But y'all still don't want to, uh, you know, give my boy Aljo his flowers. Like that was not an easy task. But it is what it is. Um, if it's got to be made off of Sean O'Malley's scalp, then Aljo has been a little bit unlucky with his career, with how everything's gone. But if you rewatch all those unlucky fights that people are talking about, it just goes to show you that Aljo outskilled them in particular scenarios. For example, the Piotr Yan fight, the first fight, he won the first two rounds, and then he gets he gets illegal need in the face, right? But he gassed out, and he even said that fight that he didn't even eat or drink any water before the fight, which is which is a ridiculous thing to do. And then he proved that he was good to go in the sequel when he outclassed him and won a close fight up against the former champion. What do you think about him moving up to featherweight and taking on Volkanovski? Most likely, probably the hardest fight for him. So the crazy thing is the, what I was just about to say about Aljo. Aljo, the reason people want to call like you like you say unlucky, right? All these scenarios and different ways that he got to where he is, and blah, blah. but like this is the fight game. We can do you know how many times you go out there and upsets happen, or just like you cannot predict any of these things. So probability probability would have you think that he cannot get he cannot be. 
this lucky that many times against the highest, most elite athletes in the world. So I just want to say on record, like, Aljo, what it is about Aljo, and Henry Cejudo alluded to it the best after after the fight or post-fight. Aljo is better than what you think he is when you're watching him. Like, watching him and being out there with him are two different things. I think it's because Aljo understands how to win. Like, he knows how to win a fight. Like, under the rules of mixed martial arts, under the UFC banner, like, the rule set and tools that he has, he knows how to use them, um, like you said, in specific scenarios against, like, whatever he's seen of the person he's going to fight stylistically, he knows how to uh, morph his style or kind of, like, adjust it around beating that specific person and that's just that's what um that's the reason like yeah you like all oh, these fights are close or these fights are well yeah he's fighting the most elite people in the world and he's coming up with ways to beat them but they're fighting back they're elite like they're not you know both people are adjusting simultaneously but he just, I think he just knows how to win and, like, he comes in with the better game plans. Uh, I think his fight IQ isn't talked about enough. But I'm saying that to segue into Volkanovski, right? Because you asked me about Volkanovski. And, man, that's a tough fight because Volkanovski is the same way. Volkanovski knows how to win. Like, this man's fight IQ is through the roof. And you actually touched on it. You said, like, you feel Aljo would improve, right? When you watch those two fighters specifically, watch them from one fight to another. They're never the same. The reason being is because of what I'm talking about. The the um, They watch the tape on the specific fighter, and every fight is new for them because they are adjusting their style around specifically beating that person. You know what I'm saying? So... Man, that's just a hard fight. I think it's a hard fight for Aljo because of like y'all the your y'all's strength lies in the same area of y'all's fight IQ, but then Volk um has him beat in some of the um intangibles. Like maybe Volk hits harder or you know what I'm saying, he is a little bit more uh shifty when it comes to like switching stances and um and fainting you know what i'm saying but then aljo has the advantage in measurements like he's longer but man i just i keep hearing and just you know it's evident volk is super strong you you, you saw what he did against islam and you saw how he was able to just like have his way with yair you know so that's a tough fight that's a tough fight for anybody Volkman and his team, they just, they do their homework. So if they're thinking that, you know, Yair is, Yair is a perfect example. He's super dangerous and dynamic and things are coming from everywhere. And so Volk shows like whatever he needs to be for the night, that's what he'll do, you know. Um, but you also, you, you made a good point with um, if Volk wrestles Aljamain, Aljamain has the jujitsu advantage. Here's the thing with that, though. It's These are not jiu-jitsu matches. 
just as like they're not wrestling matches, they're not jujitsu matches. We saw um, wh- how Volk did against Ortega, and even when he got caught, it's like at the end of the day, this is mixed martial arts, and if you are if you don't completely get Volk out of there and completely have him stuck, if there's any room or any like margin of error error in in what you're doing, trying to lock up a submission against him. He will not play your game. He will get out of it and stay on top of you and beat you up, you know, because he doesn't have to he does not have to out grapple Aljamain Sterling. One, he's heavier. Weight classes exist for a reason. Um, and two, um, yeah, he doesn't have to out grapple him. All he has to do is out position him. If he's the one um, initiating the takedowns and Aljamain goes to play that jujitsu game and he's kind of like giving up takedowns or ending up on his back, Volk does not have to out grapple him. He just has to be in a good enough position to let off punches, you know? For Aljo, though, I can definitely see a version of him like clipping Volk. I mean, Volk has got clipped before. He's got kicked in the head. He's got, you know, he's been dropped. Uh, uh, Holloway dropped him with with a with the type of combination. I can definitely see Aljamain throwing. So yeah, if any of those type of scrambles ensue, and you're the lighter guy, come or you're coming from a lighter weight class, yeah, I probably give the speed and agility uh, like the agility um, advantage to Aljo. If he gets the back, the blueprint was set by Islam, but, you know, then that's 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 one of the things, like, you don't know until you're out there. It's intangible. Like, how strong is Volk? How strong is Aljo? Because I've heard Aljo is super strong for, for the weight class. Like, can he get his back? And even if he can't choke him, can he hold Volk down? Can he hold him in position? So, I see what you're saying, man. It's if you talk about any of these matchups long enough, when you're talking about the best people in the world, you're always going to go down a rabbit hole of like, oh yeah, there's a way. There's a way. There's never not a way that somebody could beat somebody else, you know? There's always a way to beat someone. I just want to bring to your attention something that I read the other day. So, Khabib, if you count Glace and T-Bow's round on him, Conor McGregor round three, and Justin Gaethje round one as the three rounds that he lost in his career out of 38 rounds in the UFC, Volk, I believe, has lost, um, I think it was before the Islam fight or including the Islam fight, I believe he lost four out of 38. So, so, so you had Khabib on three out of 38 and you had Volk on four out of 48. I feel like if Aljamain gets in there with him, I think that getting to the decision and and taking rounds off him is such a tough task because of his work rate that you need to clip him with something and you need to either get him in a rear naked choke. I just don't know um, how he does it. Yeah, I just yeah, I just don't know how he does it. And you know that's the beauty of the sport. That's what makes it exciting. You kind of want to see like. You want to kind of see sometimes the David and Goliath moment. Um, Volk, though, another thing, Aljo has shown himself. He's he's shown that he can't. He slows down in the later rounds. Is he a champion like level fighter? Of course, he definitely can go five rounds. But he, there is a pace that he goes at that he does not keep in the later rounds. Volk. 
Volk is he is consistent. It's it's the same from the opening bell to the last one. So it's just like, yeah, that's a hard one. That's what do you think about Anderson Silva when he was at 185 and he didn't have title defenses for the particular scheduled bouts he had? He just went up to 205 and just had fights with Forrest Griffin and a whole bunch of other people and just quickly KO'd some 205ers. But he could have totally fought for the belt when he had the 185 strap. So that's one person I can think about that did that. But apart from that, there's no one else. So how do you feel about that? I think it was, I think it was smart. If he, like, we, you know, we're not in the rooms and we're not in these conversations when it's going down, but I would imagine, but then it was a whole, it was a different time. <clears throat> it was a different time. Like double champs that, that, that had never happened before. So I can imagine at that time, like you're not, you're not, uh, he's not thinking to leverage his lower weight class championship to get a title fight. And, you know, like I said a little bit earlier, it's like you don't know what's possible until, you know, somebody else does it. And now the way that it's been set, it's kind of like an unspoken UFC rule now. If you're a champion in a weight class and you go to another weight class, you you go and fight a champion. They make super fights. They don't. You, they never say like, oh yeah, you're the champion here. But like now that you're going up, you're a contender. Like, and that's has everything to do with the whole like new thing with like double champ status. I think I think the reason that he actually never did it. I don't think it was a reason that it, it had never been done before because during this time Dan Henderson won both pride belts in middleweight and um, I think it might have been light heavyweight, and he was the first double champion in MMA history, Dan Henderson. And and I feel like the reason that Anderson didn't go to light heavyweight for the belt is because of John Jones, because I just think that that style and that matchup, I don't think – I don't think if if he truly wanted that fight to take place, they were fighting for so many years at the same time that – that it could have been done. I just think that I just think that I just think that it was not the right time to do it. Of him to like know himself and know where he's at, if that was the case. Yeah, like smart. So with with Aljo, back to Aljo, what a weird position to be in. Number one contenders Marab Devalashvili on a nine fight win streak, which is the longest in UFC history. And you've got Aljo as the championship holder, his teammate, on an eight fight win streak the second highest in in UFC history. So very uh, – uh, bantamweight, by the way. This is all a bantamweight stats. So how weird of a position is uh, that? I've never seen – I've never seen a situation where the champion will not fight a number one contender and they're both on an above eight-fight win streak. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of things are happening nowadays. Like, we're just in the – craziest generation to be mixed martial arts and UFC fans. We're, we're getting a lot of first situations. I, I and you know, it's, it's, it's coming to the point where it's trying to correct itself. Obviously, you know, we're talking about Aljo going up, the cuts getting harder for him. Uh, he's getting older. He's, he's, he's done his defenses yeah, so it's correcting itself, but yeah, that is a very, very unique situation, and I can see how they ended up there. I really can, 
you know, if you're going to be the best in the world, uh, all these things uh, happen in pairs. It happens in two, like, you know, because it's your main training partner that's that's getting you there in most cases. So I see how it happened, but, yeah, it's it's about to fix itself, most likely. Do you think that this is the golden era of MMA? Yes, for sure. And I was about to say, man, it's hard to tell, but you know what? No, it's really not. I think we live in such a everything. We 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 live in a society now where we're receiving new information so fast that we're kind of desensitized to the the moments that are like that are actually colossal. Like I feel like years from now, when you look at look back at somebody like John Jones or Conor McGregor or Israel Adesanya, or UFC, um, getting the, get the ESPN, did, like, when you look back at the, the company being sold, when you look back at Dana White, um, you know, being the president, and how he's, like, come up in the company, and kind of, like, has his own brand that's, that, uh, you know, that has grown with, or even... I don't want to say outgrown the company, but like you have these huge figures in in this sport, and just man, I, yeah, I do think this is the golden era, and um, because you have these guys that are fighting now that grew up watching the watching the who, what we consider the legends now, and um, they're growing up watching them, and it's just like it gets better every generation. That's just how it is, so. Yeah, but as far as, like, the the reason I'd call it the golden era is it's never going to be off the fighting, right? Because, like I said, it's going to get better every generation. There's going to be some new phenom that goes out there and puts on crazy performances we've never seen before, right? But just as far as, like, the exposure, how much it's expanded in the time that it has, how much fighters are getting paid now, just the deals that have been done in this short amount of time, yeah, it's just wild. You know, you got... You got presidents, former presidents showing up to UFC fights, all these celebrities, and it's just wild right now, yeah. Are you going to be the third Jamaican champion and have a president in your fight? That, man, actually, you know what? My mom and I talk about that a lot. I I, I think it's, I think it's going to happen. The only way it doesn't happen is if, because I'm only 26, how old are the other guys? I they're like they're like, like the champs champs at flyweight around 30 31 yeah no and i don't mean the guys that um that, i don't mean the like uh pantoja i mean like uh uh aljo and leon um leon's like leon's like 32 but 31 he's like the youngest he's one of the youngest yeah, he's one um, of the young, champions he's like, yeah, right now but um yeah so i definitely think it could all it could happen but I'm the one. I'm just playing catch up. I'm so young. I'm not even in there yet. So they could very well be on their way out the door when I when I step in there. But you know, I have thought about it. Like, man, it would be cool if we could, like, you know, the whole, uh, you know, the, one of the uh, infamous picks with uh, I think it was uh, Kamaru and um, Francis and and Adesanya. Like, it would have been cool. Yeah. A type of picture like that or something. Yeah, it's very it's very interesting to see stuff like that when you see Kamaru, Israel, and Francis, and then in a year's time they had all lost their belt, and and Francis 
Francis was gone. And then you see the new photo of Alexa Grasso, um, Yair Rodriguez and Brandon Moreno, and they all lost the Mexican belt except, um, except Alexa. So very, very weird how this sport works. I want to ask you about Leon. We we're talking about it. We spoke about the first Jamaican champion. I want to talk about the second. So I've said this, that Leon is an insanely complete fighter. The only thing he doesn't have in his game is offensive wrestling. But when it comes to defensive wrestling, he's got un- underrated jiu-jitsu, he's got above-average clinch work, and he's got 9 out of 10 striking. So he is he is another level of MMA right now. What's that matchup like Col- with Colby Covington like, in your opinion? I think that's a good fight for Leon, to be honest. I think it's a good fight for Leon. Um, it's just one of those things like some of these guys, when you watch their style, if you know what you're looking at, they're not going to evolve past what they're doing. Like that is them at their peak. And you can kind of like, if you've seen one of their fights, you've seen them all. Like it's it's vintage so-and-so. And I think the way that Colby fights, I think it's, I think he is set in his ways of how he's going to approach every fight. And um, I think kind of like piggybacking off what you said about Leon, like if you're the more complete fighter, um, i.e. someone like Volk or um, Aljo, these types of people, which I think Leon is also this type of person. He, like I said, these types of fighters know how to win. So they will alter their style around what it takes to be. And I just, I don't see Colby having that type of um, ability to adjust. So, yeah, I think it's a good fight for Leon. I think Colby is going to come out and do Colby things, and Leon will be ready for that. And, yeah, you know, MMA math doesn't really make sense, but I think if if Leon can be Usman and, you know, take victory out the jaws of defeat against him at a time where Usman looked unstoppable, untouchable. Kobe, you know, I could be biased. I don't know. Kobe's not that good to me, so. My final question for you is, can you tell the viewers at home what your goals and aspirations are for your career? Yes, I could tell the viewers that, but it's so much bigger than... It's so much bigger than the fighting, and um, I enjoy where I am right now, and I enjoy how much uh, people do and don't know about me because, like, I feel every time I get on the mic or the next time I fight, you you get to learn something new. But um, if I'm just going to, like, this is the part of myself that I will share now and because I'm always growing and maturing and changing, but right now what I aspire to do is finish this guy on July 20th, become the CFFC uh, flyweight world champion, uh, parlay that into a UFC contract, and start getting in there and mixing it up with, you know, the best flyweights in the world. And just, I just want to do cool shit in my fights and say cool shit on the mic and just see where this goes, you know? That's all we have time for. Thank you very much, Shamel, for coming on the podcast. Is there anything you want to plug before we wrap up the podcast? 
No, I feel good, man. I don't. Follow Shamel on Instagram, link in the description, and subscribe to Anything Combat on YouTube. Thanks, guys. Bye.